Hello out there, Sitka, and welcome to the third episode of Speaking of Hope, the official podcast of Sitka's Hope Coalition. My name is Missy Monjovi, and today we're going to be continuing with our stories of recovery in honor of Recovery Month. Last week, Alec and I had the privilege of sitting down with Kale Perkins as he shared with us a bit about his struggles with alcoholism and how his life has changed since being in recovery. He explained to us how the world has opened up for him, how he's gotten new opportunities, new experiences, and has just been able to enjoy the simple moments in life since he started confronting his addiction. Alec and I were moved by his inspirational story, and we wish him the best as he continues on his path of recovery. Today, we get to hear another story from a very special guest. And let's just jump right into it. Leo, would you please introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your recovery journey? Yes, I'm uh, frankly Jimmy Sr. Um, I go by Leo. Moved here to Sitka in 2012. And that, that's when my recovery started. So I guess I'll start from the beginning. When I first was introduced to alcohol, it was in the 70s, and it was from my cousins. I think I must have been right around the sixth, seventh grade. Um, I don't remember what age. That was probably about 11 or 12. And it started out pretty rough. It was a rough childhood. And, um, of course, everybody in my family back then drank from the my cousins to my aunts and uncles, and uh, was at that time seemed pretty normal. Didn't know that there was any other way. Situation I was in, not good, not, you know, rough childhood. Basically, it had, uh, one day came home, went to the cabinet underneath the sink, poured a bunch of uh, hard liquor and bezeled it down. Being a kid that young, it hit pretty quick and what I remember is, is after I was done, I told I had, we had this little dog, white dog, was named Sniffy. You know, I was a kid, so I was telling her not to, uh, not to tell on me, and not to, uh, you know, tell her I'm sorry, but you know, I can't go on. And uh, next thing I remember was it was middle of winter and laying in the snow and uh, seeing these lights, flashing lights, and this uh, police officer picking me up. Went blacked out again. Next thing I remember was being back home and being questioned by the cops of why I did that, what happened. Apparently, it turns out what I was told was that um, I had to have my stomach pumped because uh, it was uh, way too much and it was alcohol poisoning. This is back in the 70s. I didn't realize it until probably years later, though, that I'd probably t- I'd tried to take my life from alcohol. That's part of what I want to share is it's never worth it, you know? And of course, when you're a kid though, in that time frame, time stands still and you think it's not going to change. And um, we worry about that nowadays with, with our kids going, growing up and what they're going through and you're periodically heard lies being taken. But so I went through that though. And then years later, as uh, we moved to catch can in uh, 79, and uh, I'd gotten a little better, stayed away from alcohol for a while, and then got into high school, and then it started back up. And we started partying, you know, it was the 80s, and um, it just kind of spiraled out of control after that, just for years, in and out of counseling. Um, never got into treatment. It was out, outpatient only. Then finally I'd quit in 90, 95, 
had a 10-year period there where I quit, get my license back and stuff, went to work for the Forest Service, and uh, that was good. But that there again was without a program, going to AA, but it wasn't enough to what we call now to gather tools in your tool belt, uh, which I've got now. So without those tools and a program, was driving home after work one day, it was after a relationship ended, decided to stop by the liquor store. We talk about decisions, you know, everything's a choice. And um, that was the wrong one. And I didn't, you know, I realize that now because it led into another seven year stretch or more of drinking on and off. That was downfall because shortly after that, had uh, lost my license. But after living in this town there for 30 some years, it was real hard to um, try to get back on my feet. It took moving to another town before I would get any help. So anyways, that leads up to coming to Sitka. Moving here, because I was still drinking, got here and met up with my family. It was due, you know, come to see my, my kids and they were in OCS um, at that time. Wasn't gonna stay here. So I'm with, the, with them doing a visit when the uh, workers had left the room, I asked them, asked my sons, you know, if they'd forgiven me, and they said yes. And then they wanted me to stay. So it's going to be, I said, well, it's going to be hard. I'll do what I can, but at least we'll be in the same town. We'll be able to see each other. I'll just, you know, play it by ear, and we'll work things out from there. So anyways, the worker comes back in, though, and was, and she says, well, you know, he's got to get on a plane and fly back to Ketchikan. And I had to tell him that I'm not leaving it started from there, but uh, we're still drinking pretty heavily and ended up homeless here in, in Sitka for a while. That went on for a while. And then probably by the end of that summer, I was going to Sitka counseling here. And it was my decision. And then um, and that was at BBHC, which is the Bill Brady Healing Center that we don't have here anymore right now. Got signed up for that. And then straight out, on, out of there, into uh, Aurora's Watch, which I think is called Max Place now. Backing up a little bit though, before that, um, when I finally decided to make my decision on, on to turn my life around and, and start my, my recovery, um, I had met this person in town who ended up being my sponsor. And he said, well, at the end of the conversation though, he said, well, why don't you go to a, a meeting tonight? And he goes, with everything you just told me and what your plan is and what you want to do, this is the way you got to go about it and get it done. you got to get this program started if you're serious about it. And uh, so I went, and then the next step was they told us, you got to do 90, 90 days. And I, I jumped on that. I told them I was against it because I, I had a bad experience with this program, Alcoholics Anonymous, before. And uh, it was different here. I found that there was a solution. We work on, you know, the 12 steps and stuff. So when I told them that and showed them the papers, I started getting signatures of my own and showed it to them because I had proved them, you know, that I'm serious about this and OCS. You know, at that time, you know, I was trying to work to get my kids back. My counselor here was shocked. She goes, what changed? And I said, well, I had a long talk with someone and I figured, you know, if I want to do this, that's what I got to do. Um, of course, we talk about when you pass on the message, you know, they've got to want it. And if you don't want it, it's not going to work. I was still homeless at that time. I get a call from this, this guy who was my sponsor. He goes, where are you going to stay? I said, i got to go back down to the church, I guess. And, and he goes, no, you're going to come over to my place and crash on my floor. 
I said, okay, are you sure? I said, you don't know me from day one. You know, so all this is kind of new to me because I'm in a town I've never lived in before, and people I don't know. So I'm caught off guard and I'm surprised and grateful at the same time. And I thought, this, I'll go give it a shot. I mean, what else I got to lose? And it worked out. You know, he started working with me on the steps and keeping me going in the right direction and asking me what my long-term plan was and stuff. And I told him, I says, well, I, I'm currently already signed up. I'm trying to get the paperwork on to get into treatment. It was okay, well, before you do that, let's, this is what you're going to need to work on in order to get there so you're not caught off guard. I didn't know what he was talking about. So he's running me through these 12 steps, the, everything from, you know, admitting that you have a problem all the way through it. And I was wondering why it was kind of, I guess you could say, bum-rushing you through it. When it got in, it made sense because the three programs that they offered was all step programs. So they would all go through the same of what I just went through and learned about three months before while I was working with uh, my new sponsor. And uh, then it just clicked and I was like, oh, that's why. I mean, in my life, I think my higher power worked that way. Just click, 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 because it made sense. It was just one thing after another started happening real quickly and they talk about that in the program of, of your recovery of if you work for it things will, will come to you and happen and um, it did at the very beginning there you know and it still does today but it's not like then it was just like okay you're going to do this and this is going to happen to you these doors are going to open for you it's going to be fast it's going to be quick i was very grateful for that but uh it made sense so when i got out though i told him i let him know and said you know i'm really happy and and grateful you did that and understand it a lot more now and why you did that because he didn't say a word and I was he just smiled and he knew what he was doing turns out later on that he used to be a counselor years and years ago over there at search to have these folks and be blessed with these folks come into my life to work with me I think was just a blessing and then like again we talk about our higher power the way it worked in my life and uh I couldn't have couldn't have asked for more but moving back forward, though, getting to the halfway house at uh, Lord's Watch, or what they call Max Place now. It, and this was all scary because I just, and what it was, when I was leaving BBHC, we're going through graduation, talking to one of my counselors there. Anyways, he goes, so what's your, your plan after this? Because you know, they talk about aftercare. I said, well, I've got Lord's Watch already set up. And they, I guess it was surprising to them because most people going through it don't have that set up you know they don't they're not thinking that far ahead i said look this is what i need to do i've got to work get my kids back this is what's required and this is what i want to do and i'm not doing it for the state but i'm doing it for me and that was the other thing that they talk about in the program is you've got to work on yourself you got to want it for yourself first in order to move forward um, before you can help anyone in your family your loved ones your wife or cousins, whatever, because um, you can't go from here to Z and jump forward. So I told him, I said, yeah, I said, we've already got the aftercare, that part set up. And then they said, okay, so what are you going to do after that? And I said, well, I'm going to keep going to meetings and then also keep, you know, a list of, because before you leave BBHC, they give you this list of aftercare and um, what you're supposed to do and the certain folks you, you're, I guess you could say, allowed to check in with. And that they kind of expect you to, they want to follow you, follow your progress to, to find out, you know, how you're doing. And then when it got close to the time to check out, they do, um, they give you the option to do a walkthrough of the Aurora's watch. So we went over and checked it out. Um, and then after that, 
got to the point where I felt like I could probably stand on my own two feet and needed to move on, take the next steps. And it's just started with the Sika Tribe of Alaska. And then that would have been 2000, or the middle of 2013, that summer. I was on break at work and ended up, I was riding my bike and ended up getting in an accident. Broke my leg. That took me out for uh, seven, eight months. Glee, Sika Tribe of Alaska held my job through that because I was worried about that because I was just starting to get back on my feet and that was the first thing I was really concerned about. Weird part about that is that the person that filled in while I was recovering is somebody that was in the program with me at, at Aurora's Watch, which was kind of strange because we'd always kind of bump heads. We didn't always agree on stuff, but he jumped right in as soon as that happened and... Uh, you know, I guess that's just another thing that the way we work together, you know, we may not agree on everything all the time, but when it comes to keeping our spray and, and our recovery, we try and help out, you know, get personal things aside. And I learned that later on too, because that was another one of my first experiences, because I asked him that later on. I said, well, we're not exactly friends and we don't get along. Why did you do this? And he goes, well, we may not get along, but we've, we've got to help out when we can. It, it's stuff like that that just, you know, in my recovery, that just kept falling into place. I think to me, it, it's a big part of what helped my recovery stay solid and where it's at. Shortly after that, though, was walking home and it was the middle of winter. And I was still gimping along on my bum leg and uh, slipped on the ice and ended up breaking my ankle. And it took me out for another three months. Luckily, my job was held for me again. Going through all this, though, some of my members from our, our group periodically call and go, hey, how you doing? You know, you're not drinking? And I was like, no. It was like the last thing on my mind, you know, of course you're in pain and, and stuff. And I just want to keep going, moving forward. And you're, you're wanting to get stuff done and you run into these barriers and these things that are happening, you know, I'm grateful for those folks that called and checked up on me. Instead of thing we talk about in recovery is it varies from different people whose strengths and strongs and what they're, if you're working the program, where you stay sober, um, some will fall off depending on what they go through. You know, it's not the same for everyone. It's not the, you know, everybody's the same strength and mental health and all that. So it's it's nice when people check in on you and call and go, how you doing? You're not drinking, you're not, you're not using. While I was down and out the first time with my broken leg, though, I asked my sponsor too, I said, what about me? So I'm not going to be able to get to him. So don't worry about it. We'll bring the meetings to you. So they did, and, they, and that helped me stay sober also in my recovery because um, it kept things fresh through that seven months. My sponsor had 30-some years. They knew what they were doing. Super grateful to that. But then moving forward, I um, made it through that and then uh, kept going to, to meetings Worked my own program after a while. Started gathering stuff from everything I went through, from BBHC to Aurora's Watch to AA to this this uh, church that I, I go to online, which is called Joel Steen. And it's got 31 promises in that. But all these books and different readings you get, you're told to form in your recovery and then stay on passive all, all the way from like grounding to the time you wake up to the time you go to sleep, which is from grounding to doing your readings to uh, go into meetings. Everyone's program to stay sober, what works in their recovery is, is different. And I always tell folks that I work with or try to pass the message on, you know, form your own program. Whatever's gonna work for you, whatever's gonna keep you sober, whatever's gonna keep you alive, it's best to try and go that route and do that.
that kind of leads up to today. Coming up on a on milestone of eight years, um, you know, it's after recently losing my wife and, uh, and still stayed sober through that due to um, having a program and being able to stay sober and go to meetings, um, you know, pick up the phone, call people when you need to, and, you know, pass on the message of what helps what helps you and then you're being able to do the work and push it forward and help others, um, which also helps us stay in recovery. So kind of all of it, I guess, in a nutshell. Wow, Liam. Thank you. That is quite the story. And it's amazing how many things had to fall into place to get you to this moment. But you also faced quite a number of hardships. And I have to ask, how were you able to stay sober during some of the most difficult times in your life? So first thing I did was call my sponsor. Got a hold of him right away. I said, look, this is this is not going to be easy for me. Uh, we used to have meetings here in the mornings. So I started coming to a meeting here early that morning to get the day started right. The other thing is, is there's, like I said, there's readings, you know, that we all pick, you know, through books of uh the promises and the daily reflections. Those were my tools. And then I've also made what I was called a sobriety belt or sobriety rope that I weave together and has the uh, four colors on it of the medicine wheel. Because when we're going through treatment, they used to have this thing that was called a medicine stick. Yeah, sobriety stick. They didn't have it, so I made my own when I was down and out with my leg. Those sit right in front of my TV that I made, and then I also made some keychains and had the colors on them, which are on my uh, keychain here also, it's kind of worn out. Yeah, and then certain readings I've got up on my wall and stuff. Every time I see them, it reminds me of where I came from, what got me here, where I want to keep going. What's important to me right now that I can focus on, which is my son. Back then, when you're first starting out, you can't. You know, you're told to focus on yourself, get yourself well until you're able to be able to focus on these other things, job, work, home, bank accounts, whatever. And that's what works for me. So those were my my tools and my go-to. So great that you had those tools to, to fall back on and to rely on and, and get you through those difficult times. So how would you say your life has changed since being in recovery? Immensely. That's not what it used to be. That's the other thing we talk about is a lot of folks try to get back to where they were before when they had, you know, everything. And I still have find myself there doing that, trying to get back to where I was, how it changed. Um, you know, when I had a double wide house, double wide trailer, two cars, you know, everything go with it. You can never get back to the same place. So the place you're getting back to is all something new that you got to build. It changes and it's all for the better. It's never easy because there's always usually a background that's going to follow you around. You got to turn your life around and not everybody's going to agree with that and, you know, be on your side or whatever. But all you can do is just keep looking forward and stay positive. For me, it changed, you know, my life, the way I live, the things I'm grateful for. You know, getting a job, being able to keep a roof over my head, being able to see my son, you know, getting a bank account again, post office box, everything you lost, you know. You know, still today I'm working on, but more of it's uh, maintenance now. Try to work with other folks, but I think that's how my life has changed, you know, in a more positive manner. I'm so glad to hear that. That's amazing. What advice would you give to someone who is trying to start their own recovery journey? First, you got to want it. I've worked with some others around town and trying to help them. 
you can't help them if they don't if they don't want it. It's the old saying, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink it. You can lead them to a meeting, you give them the tools, you can point them in the right direction. But if they don't want it, same thing with my wife, you know, and you got to let it be. And sometimes it doesn't always end in a, in a good situation. But the message I usually try to pass on is there's a light at the end of the tunnel. The picture's not always going to look the same as it was before, but you'll be in a better place. You'll be healthy. You'll be happier. It's constant work. You know, it's daily work. You got to have a program. Make a program what works for you. Stick to it. Do it daily. Whether it's calling, picking up the phone, doing your readings, you know, keeping stuff around that reminds you daily of where you came from, what you went through, where you don't want to go back to. Pick up that phone when you need to call someone. There's hope, you know, it's not going to be easy. Like I said, it's just it's constant work, but you can do it. And then it, it always boils down to one one day at a time, down to the second. That's the message I usually try to carry on, pass on. Thank you so much for sharing. I'm sure that's going to be very helpful to someone listening in. And you're just an example that recovery is possible. And sometimes people just need to be reminded of, of the fact that, you know, you can get through it. We appreciate you being here to just show people that that the programs work, that when you put in the time and the effort, you know, as you said, there is light at the end of the tunnel. One of the last questions I have for you is, what would you say to the youth here in town or to a younger member of your family who is thinking of experimenting with drugs or alcohol? Don't. This leads down a road to nowhere. Each individual is different because you can have what they call addictive personality. You cannot even know you have it until you take that first drink, you take that first drug or whatever, and it'll just grab you instantly and take you down and under. You'll lose anything you have. You'll sell everything you got. You'll hurt people you don't want to and um, do things you never expected that you'd ever would do. For me, I wish I, I would have known a lot of this back then, but in the 70s, he just it was a totally different time. For my son, Junior, I pray every day that he doesn't you know, go down that wrong road. And we, he knows about my program and what I'm doing and where I come from in alcoholism and then uh, what his mom passed away from because he's 11 years old. Um, so he's going to be entering that scene, you know, because that's about when I started drinking. I can't I look at him and I can't even imagine. It's like, what was I doing? You don't want to see a kid go through that. So I would tell the younger generation, though, don't. It's not advisable. It'll lead nowhere. And experimenting, I, I just, I can't. Yeah, I would just say, no, don't do it. You're better off not. That is so powerful. Thank you. I hope that people take that message to heart. My last question for you is, why did you decide to share your story with us today? I want to share my story because... Hopefully it'll help somebody else, whoever gets to view it, listen to it. What I went through and know that it's not an easy road. Because when they're first, when you're still in the, in the midst of being, using whatever, you know, your first thoughts are, I'm not going to make it. You know, it's too tough. Um, I wanted to pass that on, you know, that there is light at the end of the tunnel. It's going to be hard work and you've got to just take it one day at a time. And it's all the way down to the second. Once you start, don't stop. You've got to keep doing the maintenance. You've got to keep using your tools, keep going to meetings, keep 
calling people, keep doing stuff like this to carry on and pass the message on of how valuable your life is because there's people out there that care about you. Yeah, I just want to help pass on the message and, and hopefully it'll help somebody else save a life, keep them sober, get them clean, get them into a program, show them that there's hope. Well, Leo, thank you so much for taking the time to come and speak with us today and for your vulnerability to to open up to us and really speak from the heart. We are so grateful. You are just such an inspiration and a source of guidance for so many people out there. And you have such a powerful story. We really appreciate you allowing us to share it with people out there. So thank you. You're welcome. It'll work. There's hope.